Welcome to the Rock Christian Church Podcast. Today's message is Aren't We All Leaders by Mark Patch. So there's this young man and he is in fervent prayer with, with the Lord and he says to the Lord, Lord, what is a million years in your sight? God says to him, son, it's but a second. And he says to him, what is a million dollars in your sight? And the Lord said, it's like a cent. And he says to the Lord, Lord, would you give me a cent? <laughs> and the Lord says, let me think about that for a second. <laughs> Can we open in prayer? Father, we acknowledge that in our day-to-day lives, our heart can be closed to you. But we acknowledge, Lord, that you are here, you are present, you are open to us, and we pray, Lord, that we would open our hearts to you. As we listen to your word this morning, Father, we just we just seek you, and I pray that it's your words that... Everybody would hear and not mine in Jesus' name. Okay, so my talk this morning is about aren't we all leaders? Good leadership is vital at all times and in all places and in all areas of life. But the question that people often ask is, what is good leadership? What does good leadership look like? Well, this week... We lost one of the best leaders the world has ever seen, uh, General Colin Powell, a renowned statesman, an inspirational leader. And in tribute to Colin Powell, I want to answer the question, what is good leadership, by relating some of his best-known quotes on the subject. One of the great things about it is his strong Christian faith is really evident in many of them, but so is his sense of humour. So the first one is, leadership is about solving problems. The day soldiers stop telling you their problems is the day you stop leading them. And Jeanette will attest to that because you take 300 soldiers and you give them a keg full of truth serum, they love going to the boss's wife and poking her in the chest and telling her all the good and bad things the boss has done to them that year. It's a... It's a fun event watching Jeanette at the annual ball or some other event where all the soldiers turn up. The freedom to do your best means nothing unless you are willing to give your best. There's one that can bite home. Great leaders are almost always great simplifiers who can cut through argument, debate and doubt to offer a solution that everybody can understand. Maybe that's a skill that you have. Here's one I like. You don't know what you can get away with until you try. Here's an even better one. There is no end to the good that you can do if you don't care who gets the credit. Think about that in terms of church leadership. 
Always show more kindness than seems necessary as the person receiving it needs it more than you will ever know. Remember, this is the a general, this is the head of the chief, the chief of the general staff in the US military. This is the first African-American who ever achieved that. And he's saying things like that. Trust is the glue that holds people together and it's the lubricant that keeps an organisation moving forward. What could be more important than equipping the next generation with the character and competence that they need to be successful? Look at your children and think that one through. Here's a good one. Perpetual optimism is a force multiplier. And I might add, essential in a church environment. The ties that bind us are stronger than the occasional stresses that separate us. So the idea of being a leader in church can be rather daunting. We may think of ourselves as leaders in other areas of our lives, but when it comes to the church, we can find all sorts of reasons for avoiding stepping up. I'm not sure if I'm committed enough to the church. Oh, please, when I look around at people, please don't think I'm looking at you because I'm thinking of you when when I say that. I'm not spiritual enough. It's a favourite of mine. Um, I don't have the time that it would take. Over the past year, Pastor Sean has made it abundantly clear that whilst it is easy to come to sit and to be entertained without really having to invest in serving in the church community, that is not the vision here at The Rock. He has made it clear that Jesus isn't here for our amusement. He didn't die so that we could come here on a Sunday morning and experience an amazing show. Think for a minute about those Christians in history that you would consider to have been influential. How many of them do you remember because they were really good followers? Could I suggest the answer to that question is probably none. Those that come to mind were the ones who realised that God just didn't, didn't save us for something. He saved us for a purpose and his church and his people are a key part of that purpose. Nicky Gumbel puts it like this, the church is not a museum displaying perfect people. It is a hospital in the traditional sense of the word, a place of hospitality and restoration. It is a place where the wounded, hurt, broken and injured find healing. It's a community of sinners. He goes on to say, on the other hand, we do not put people in positions of leadership if their lifestyle is in direct contrast to that of the New Testament. Leadership is not only functional, but also involves a responsibility to live as an example to others. Leaders are models for the rest of the congregation. Of course, no one is perfect. You do not have to be perfect to be an example. 
heaven only knows, throughout my career I've seen plenty of people who were not perfect. However, we do try to ensure that the lifestyle and character of our leaders is in line with the New Testament. But in many ways, the call to Christ is a call to leadership and the church is where we have the opportunity to realise that calling. Church should provide the environment for us to enter as a broken sinner, to be led to healing, repentance and restoration and then develop a desire to give others the same opportunity that we were given by growing to be a leader. Some people will tell you that leaders are born and cannot be taught. Well, having spent five years of my early adult life at the Royal Military College where the teaching and practice of military leadership is the single purpose of the institution, I would beg to differ. Christ also would seem to differ and not agree with his perspective. The disciples weren't gifted leaders when they first met Jesus. By the world standards, they didn't even have what it took to be a leader. Yet God used them, 12 non-spectacular people, to change the world. Why? Jesus could have chosen the elite, the skilled, the highly desirable, the attractive, but he didn't. Following Jesus is not for some elite few. Leaders in his kingdom don't have to be the most talented or special people in the world. They just have to know and follow him and want to make that clear to others. Jesus turned ordinary men into world changers and if Jesus could use them, why can't or we can't rightly say that he can't use us? I'd like to take the opportunity to summarise the CVs of two members of our own church leadership to demonstrate that you don't have to be anything out of the ordinary to be a church leader here. Now, before every member of the church leadership sort of turns away or gets up and walks out, I'm very conscious of privacy law, so I've changed the names of those individuals to protect their innocence. (laughs) But I'm sure you'll get the idea. Shane is a man of unquestionable integrity. Slow to anger, honest, sensible, respectable, hospitable and able to teach, so some say. He is married and manages his own household well, loves his children who respect him in return. He is never immoral or rebellious and puts others before himself. Shane consumes alcohol only socially. He is gentle, considerate and generous. Although he gave his life to God in a remote region, he has demonstrated his maturity as a Christian by following God's direction to move to a much better place where the fish he truly seeks are far more plentiful. (laughs) His growing maturity means that he does not behave stupidly and will not become considered by his appointment. He is a humble individual with a good reputation who is well thought of outside of the church. Tim is a local man of the highest integrity, truthful and honest. He's a non-drinker and very generous to all. He has been tested and proven to be beyond reproach. 
His wife is also worthy of respect, not a malicious gossip, but self-controlled and thoroughly trustworthy in all things. Tim manages his family well and his household. He has a good reputation among the congregation and a strong faith in Christ Jesus. Now, for those of you who would like to read the full template that we use for our leaders, you can find them in 1 Timothy 3, 2 to 16, where Paul describes the qualities required of a church leader. If you want to go deeper, you can also find other examples in Titus 1, 5 to 9. Of interest in both lists is that the majority of the traits that Paul requires are about character. There's very little mention of technique or skill or even gifts. Those that Paul did consider important were in your private life, not to be self-willed, not quick-tempered, not violent, to be sober, holy and self-controlled. In your family life, to have one spouse with respectful children. In your social life, to be hospitable, honest and a sensible drinker. In your professional life, not to be accused of being rebellious, to be a lover of what is good, to be just, to hold fast to the word and importantly as a leader, to be able to exhort and convict those that contradict the word. I trust that in reading these lists, extensive as they are, you will come to realise that we are all leaders. As we will all have people in our lives who follow our example. I was once told as a leader that if you are marching on forthrightly as a leader and you turn and look behind you and there's nobody there, you better reconsider your leadership style. And that's, but what is true of all of us here is that every single one of us is called to Christ and every single one of us is called to be a leader. Whether it's of our children, our grandchildren, our friends, our work colleagues, our fellow community members or our fellow church members, we all have areas of influence, which means that we are all have opportunities to lead people to Jesus and to lead people to grow in their relationship with him. We are truly all leaders. The truth is that it's time we as Christ followers stepped up. It's time we stepped out in faith and started living out what we claim to believe. It's time we served the people around us. It's time we loved the people who hate us. It's time we started leading. Now, don't get me wrong. If you go back to that list of Christians that you recalled from history, you will quickly come to the realisation that Christian leadership is not easy. It's especially difficult when we lack confidence, but our confidence, faith, hope and our life isn't in us. It's in Jesus and what he has done, not what we are capable of doing. We can lead with confidence in him even if we lack that confidence in ourselves. Leaders are essential to the growth of the church You can read this in Paul's letters to the churches of Philippi, Colossae, Thessalonica and in his personal letters to Timothy, Titus and Philemon in the New Testament. And I want to draw on some leadership lessons from all of those books 
that we can draw on to become better leaders. So some of those lessons include, and there's a lot of person, personal uh, pain and scars in these, I guess. Leaders can do anything, but they can't do everything. A leader needs to openly communicate their priorities and delegate. And everybody in this room needs to be willing to step up to be a part of that. Paul recognises that all of his previous achievements were worthless and had to change in order that he gained Christ. In Philippians 3.7 he says those famous words, but whatever former things were gains to me, these things I have come to consider as loss for the sake of Christ. Like Paul, leaders have to identify what is hindering their progress, reassess what you want your team to achieve and determine how they are going to best achieve it. Second is you can't be a great leader without being a great servant. In Philippians 2, 2 to 11, Paul uses Jesus as the ultimate example of servant leadership. He urges those who would be leaders to humble themselves and live selflessly. Leadership in the kingdom of God is not about gaining power or authority for ourselves. It's about service. Find a place to serve. Find a way to serve. There is nothing that grows a leader faster than serving. Leadership is about relationships. You lead for others, not for yourself. But please don't do this just because it's the second greatest commandment in the Bible. It will take you a long way to being a better leader. Paul describes concentric rings of relationships in many respects. It's very familiar to a lot of the leadership models that you see. He notes that leaders can impact others only in close relationships. And in Colossians 3, he talks about that being family. Leaders can influence the next ring of colleagues, masters and slaves who wish to emulate that leader, follow their example. And then finally, a leader can impress others from a distance, Colossians 4. They can be examples to outsiders. Now, each circle of relationship enables you to grow in confidence and gain credibility as you move outward. It was for this reason that Paul developed leaders through mentoring relationships and then let them grow as they experienced the outer rings. A leader's attitude will affect the outcome more than anything else. Godly leaders have a strong passion and a deep optimism about the future. This attitude springs from their sense of purpose and from the assurance of their ultimate destination. (coughs) Two Thessalonians talks about it in detail. Leaders need to be supported by a prayer team. When we pray for those who are leaders and those who are being developed into our next generation of church leaders, we affect them and everybody that they influence or lead through prayer. Every leader needs to be proactive in recruiting and equipping a team of prayer warriors who will pray for their protection, wisdom, 
health and strength and courage. They should also be praying for the lost because it just amazes me what prayer can do in our hearts and in the hearts of those that we pray for. We see that in this church every single week as the prayer warriors knuckle down to support us. Leaders are willing to take risks and to seek opportunities. In in praising Epaphroditus in Philippians 2, Paul calls him a messenger and asks the church to give him a hero's welcome when he gets home as he was willing to risk his life in the service of the church. As leaders within the church, we need to be aware of what the church as a whole is doing and be willing to take those risks and exercise opportunities that will enhance the church's achievement of its goals. Where God reveals a need to you, though, and the risk is acceptable, we should not be standing back and doing nothing but taking that initiative and approaching the church leadership and finding a way to meet the need. Present them with your idea or maybe even some options for its resolution. And along the way, you might want to even offer your help. As I said right at the beginning, leaders are problem solvers. So Timothy was timid and often ill, had a shepherd's heart. Titus, on the other hand, was a different type of leader. He was a problem solver. Paul sent Titus to both Corinth and Crete to organise the chaos that was present and to establish leaders. Problem solving is the fastest way to develop leadership skills and it requires someone to step forward and take control. In truth, it's the element of project management that has attracted me to the profession and continues to motivate me to this day. If you ignore problems and just hope that they will go away, you'll lose confidence and end up feeling paralysed and inadequate. Like most leadership skills, problem solving improves with experience and just as many lessons can be learned from failure as can be learned from success. You have to fail to improve at problem solving. If you don't practice and fail, and then try again and succeed, you will never gain the confidence required to master problem solving. Now, the characteristics of a good problem solver are that they anticipate the problem. You need to look for trouble, not avoid it. Titus anticipated all the problems in Corinth and as a result was able to prevent what could have quickly turned into a split in the church. Problem solvers accept the truth. They're honest and forthright. Some of the conversations or the letters between Paul and Titus, um, some some of the commentary in that letters, talk about how troubled the churches were that he led, but he had to face that as a reality. They see the big picture. And you can act within that larger perspective. They handle one thing at a time. I know the ladies like to think that they can multitask. Um, For me, though, one problem is enough to deal with. Problem solvers develop a system, sort of like project risk management, that enables them to analyse the problem, develop options for its resolution 
and plan the preferred option in detail so that it may be overcome. Titus took the initiative and he dealt with one major conflict at a time. And finally, they don't give up on a goal when they're down. Surround yourself with problem solvers who complement your weaknesses and engender diverse thinking. I have always been blessed by the fact that I am surrounded by people who are much better than me, but they make me look very, very good. Your team has to be tenacious in achieving the required outcome. Paul did this by sending Titus to address the conflicts in Corinth until he had solved them. And finally, our role as leaders is to prepare the next generation of leaders. There's got to be a succession plan. Paul left Titus in Crete to do just this. He trusted Titus to be the leader the church needed to solve the problems in the most difficult of places and circumstances and to develop a team of leaders within the church. In truth, nothing has changed in 2,000 years or more. Titus did this by setting the example in terms of his lifestyle and character. He selected future leaders that he would invest his time into. He cultivated the model he would use for their development. He then created ministry opportunities for each of these leaders. He established a governance structure to monitor their progress and provide them with ongoing guidance. He constantly communicated his vision, and he kept it alive for each and every one of them. And he encouraged and celebrated their growth and problem solving. Now, you may not see yourself as a leader, but in 2 Timothy 1 to 18, Paul, having looked closely at Neil and Pam Bishop, talks about himself as a spiritual parent. He mentored, trained and disciplined Timothy and passed wisdom onto him. In so doing, he showed us how to develop this next generation of leaders. We need to love them. Paul talked about Timothy as the son that I love so much and constantly thanked God for him. We've already discussed the power of prayer. You need to pray for them because praying for them makes a difference. Intercessory prayer is nothing more than an act of love. This is why we ask people to come forward for prayer at the end of every service. It's an act of love. It's it's an essential part of growing leaders in this church. You need to believe in them. Trust in them as the people who influence us are the people we look to for that trust and belief. You need to minister to them. You need to mentor them. You need to teach them. Paul constantly talked to Timothy about fanning into flame the gift of God that he was given. You need to encourage them. Because just like you, they'll come up against all sorts of barriers. Timothy needed that encouragement. He was young, shy and often ill. 
He needed to understand that courage is doing what you are afraid to do and not allowing fear to rule your decisions. We sang about that very fact this morning. Paul tells him to overcome your fears because God has equipped you with the Holy Spirit and with power, love and self-discipline. And I would say exactly the same to each and every one of you. You need to challenge them. You need to be responsible for teaching them how to develop their own spirit, their own ability to go forward because there will be times when they can rely on your intent but they will never, or there will be many times when they will not be able to contact you and they've got to act upon them, act on themselves. We all need to fan the flames of our faith through worship, prayer, Bible reading, community, church, life group, whatever it takes. We need to trust them. Paul told Timothy to guard the good deposit that was entrusted to him. He makes it clear that it's all about a relationship with Christ. Paul was confident that he had chosen the right person to pass on in the next generation with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in us. And you need to share with them. You need to be open and willing to pour out your heart with them because they need to understand that there are difficulties in Christian leadership. But with Christ in your life, you can overcome them. Paul encouraged Timothy to join him in suffering for the gospel. The church is always seeking leaders, those that are willing to be mentored by the current leadership, those that are willing to become spiritual parents to others and form a foundation with the next generation of leaders within the church. There are many opportunities to lead and many that currently are not undertaken because of a lack of volunteers. We know that the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. This was true when Luke wrote it in his gospel. It's just as true today in the church. It's just as true today at the rock. It's time for God's people to step up and lead. It's time for us to show the world the grace and love of God through our lives. It's time to make this earth look a little more like heaven as we come out of what has been a really difficult couple of years. To do that, we need leaders. We need you because, as the old slogan says, you're the leader we've been looking for. So please don't hesitate to come forward for prayer if you feel like you need it after we're finished this morning. Let us pray. Lord God, we pray for each and every member of the Rock Church that you would make clear to them the leadership role that you have for them and give them the faith and courage they need to stand up and assume that role. We thank you for the current and future leaders of our church. We pray that you would give all our leaders and for our nation, state, local government and church a clear vision of your will and clarity of their purpose. We praise you that we can trust completely in you 
to give us the wisdom, strength and character that we need to be a leader in your church and pray that you would give us the character and skills needed to perform the leadership role that you have for each of us in a manner that gives you all the glory. And this we pray in your son's precious name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Rock Christian Church Podcast. To be notified when the next episode is available, subscribe on our website at therock.org.au. You can also connect with us on Facebook at The Rock Christian Church. We hope you have been blessed today and we look forward to you joining us for our next episode.